direction. He got the height, pick it at the fall, the ball runs out of room. No, brilliantly, keeps it in. Petrarca feeds the handball inside to Brown, to Gorm, to goal. Bang! And look what it does, it just breaks over the slice defence. Bailey Fritz, you know he's going to kick it. He was always going to kick that. He's got three. What a night for the Sydney Swans. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is Barracken for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our fantastic sponsors, Hop In Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim. I'm joined, as always, by Simo. Mate, how are you doing? Doing well, mate. It's a, a, a podcast, well, not really a first, but it's a exciting times here in the uh, Simo household at the moment. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. We're trialing our first ever live episode. We finally managed to uh, yeah get together and do it, do it as one, which is exciting. It's it is a little bit late this week, but there's been yeah what a week for the D's. <laughs> it's almost the game has almost surpassed us, and yeah, there's been a heap going on this week. It's been in the media and not all for the right reasons, unfortunately. It's been yeah a, a pretty testing and trying week for the club in order to bounce back from a couple of in, unfortunate incidents and. Yeah, I don't know. What what have you made of it so far? It's a hard one to touch on. I feel like it's, I mean, especially the May situation. It's um, a circumstance where, I mean, when you got him out through concussion and him, you know, not taking what he needs to do to to rest himself and, you know, get himself right to play for a big blockbuster game, it's... um, yeah, as Goody said, it's it's disappointing what's happened, and um, yeah, I'm hoping that he completely takes it on board as to, you know, what he's got to do to get himself right, and you know, to put the best fit, step forward for the club because you know he's put us in a little bit of a bit of a hole, and you know, with Malksh, it's you know, it's it's one of those circumstances where he's got to take it. I mean, I mean, we can't do anything about it, but. You know, it's all about what happens from this point onwards, and I think coming up against Collingwood on the weekend is a perfect opportunity to um, to block out all the all the distractions and um, yeah, really launch after the bye. Yeah, so we've had we've had a wave of things. So obviously, referring to the incident between Stephen May and Jake Melksham having a scuffle at a restaurant in Paran on Saturday night and Sunday Sunday, Sunday night, and yeah, bit of damage done and. Punches thrown and yeah, unfortunately now you're sort of looking at Stephen May being imposed that one match ban, which, which is a real letdown I suppose for fans and for the side. But it's great to see that the clubs at least has put their culture first before performance and, and it's been a decision that's been handed down by the leadership group, really for that being such an elder statesman of the club and a real leader to go out and be drinking on concussion protocols. It, that was that was the consequence for that particular action and then it sort of. It's come out since that they've, you know, they're serving, doing some community service and everything like that also. And, and yeah, trying to really educate themselves about things. Maxi spoke today about the, yeah, sort of came out in front of the media about, about the entire incident and was good on him because he was, uh, it was certainly kind of put, not put to the sword, but the, the press were really kind of firing questions at him and, he did a really good job at being able to explain it and not condoning any of those actions. They're really trying to stamp out. I suppose they he used the word banter and trying not to pass it off as banter, trying to change the way that they speak to each other and being respectful to one another. And it was hurtful comments that ended up kind of just 
snowballing and, and becoming this incident. And yeah, I, Fox Footy, I think, reported that there was a sledge about the grand final. Maxi came out and said that that's not what was said. So we can kind of put that to put that to rest. But we know Melksham's got a bit of a boxing background, and unfortunately, he's hurt his hand and and now in for surgery, which is pretty disappointing. But like the stance that the club's taken and and can kind of yeah move on from that. We're going to miss Maisie on Queen's birthday, but I love what you said that Queen's birthday really presents us a perfect opportunity to really silence the critics because we've also had some oh, the rag Herald Sun leaking some text messages between Bartlett and Kate Roffey happened you know a couple of years ago about. Things that, yeah, some criticisms of the club after some performances in 2020, which we know wasn't a great year for the club. And then to go on top of that, you had the Tom McDonald injury, which is a, a really huge impact on our side. And what was probably our equally most dangerous forward over the past month of footy is now looking to set, see the rest of the, the rest of the season on the sidelines, which is, yeah, really disappointing, mate. Yeah, 100%. I think, well, the biggest mantra for me from after, I mean, we'll touch on the game very soon, but, you know, just to to get that game on the board, just to get over all this all this distraction that's happening, you know, beat Collingwood, go into the bye, refresh, rejuvenate, and then really launch our assault at that, you know, premiership defence, which would be awesome. It's, um, yeah, all the things going on, I think, you know, it's, again the media trying to nitpick what's you know what's been a great you know 18 18 20 months of you know great footy for the melbourne football club and you know they're just trying to exercise some of our demons um (laughs) to uh to try and ruffle a few feathers but um you know the last two weeks the two teams have come up against you know really established themselves especially frio um as a premiership contender and i think sydney at their best too um can push to the same boundary as well so yeah, it was an interesting game. You were there, mate. Um, it was. Yeah, what can you tell us about the game? Uh, well, it was actually, I was sort of braving myself for pretty wintry conditions, but it actually turned out to be a really nice night. It wasn't too cold. You know, we've, we've hit a cold snap the last, what, you know, 10, 12 days really here in Melbourne, and it's been, yeah, the weekends was actually not so bad, but during the week it's been, yeah, pretty shitty. It's been pouring down with rain and, I don't know, out... out near my place you know out in the Yarra Valley it's been tops of eight and nine degrees so yeah we've really sort of been trying to you know stay warm and I can understand that Saturday night might have been the forecast looked a little bit worse you know a bit of rain forecast and it probably does scare a few people away from attendance you know Petrarca came out and made a couple of comments about the attendance this week but the game was the game was great like it was two really good sides going at it and a really entertaining game I think from a neutral supporters point of view uh, you know come from behind victory for the swans not great for the d's but the members and i was sort of reasonably quiet sort of looking around you know i think we ticked over the thirty-two thousand mark for the entire game in terms of the attendance so there was a bit of atmosphere lots of swan supporters around they just uh, that week had celebrated and one of their, their anniversaries i think with south melbourne so there was lots of swan supporters that yeah really loud and especially in that last quarter when they were coming and hitting the front and had all the momentum you could certainly hear them all around the ground so it was yeah i suppose an enjoyable atmosphere even though it might have only said thirty thousand, it was still very loud there uh saturday night primetime game i'm sure that the club and the afl are looking at you know thirty thousand on a saturday night between two sort of potential top four teams not a great result but crowds are down across the board so you can't just sort of focus on Melbourne, 
I think you know a bit of slack got uh, you know a bit of flack got thrown our way last week for the Frio game. It was at twenty seven thousand. But you look at this weekend coming, they're super worried about North Melbourne versus GWS on Sunday afternoon. Like they could be could be lucky to crack the uh, ten thousand mark. So <laughs> are they even going to open the uh, the second and third level? Just oh, be the first level I like your uh, VFL grand final. I don't know. So, but no, look. All things aside, yet D's are looking at the back of back-to-back losses, first time since 2020, and played as you mentioned at the top. Played two really good sides. I think I could easily say I was more pissed off on Saturday night. I think being at the game and sort of thinking, oh, that's one that got away. But I think the more that you think about it, and we talked about I think last week about how great Sydney were to start off the season. They had a bit of a lull. And now they've sort of come back. We've seen how good Freo is now knocking off Brisbane as well. So two back-to-back top two wins against against top formidable sides. It's Yeah, it's an interesting point to be in, but it's no reason to panic. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you can see people, you know, the wheels are falling off with all this other <laughs> shit unfolding this week as well. we just got to remember to stay calm and, you know, everything will sort itself out. Yes, whatever happens, Queen's birthday, but we get through to the buyer. We've been through this before. It almost it almost happened twelve months ago, exactly to the date where we had a couple of losses, and mm. these same sort of conversations were flying around. So we're witnessing some of these amazing players play the game. We've just rattled off ten in a row, and we've lost to two decent sides. Yes, we've got some things we can work on, but so does everybody team. So it's uh, I don't know, no reason for panic. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit different to you, mate. I feel. Coming off two losses again against interstate clubs at your home ground is something to be sort of you know weary of, and I think, I mean yes, I think we'll go back to the drawing board and you know get some rest into our players you know with this buy and everything, um, but yeah, to me it, it is a little bit of a concern the fact that you know we've been knocked off at our home ground, um, something that we've you know been pretty strong at in the last couple of years. It's um, yeah, it poses an interesting question and. Yeah, no, I've copped an absolute stick of it for the last <laughs> <laughs> the last two weeks. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice for the D's to get back on the winners list. Um, it'll happen. It'll happen. It will happen. Well, let's hope it's this week. Actually, <laughs> yeah. it'll be this week. No, I shouldn't say that. Um, what do you mean? Of course, it should be this week. No reason <laughs> to doubt him. Uh, look, to me, to be honest, mate, I feel like this game against the Swans. I feel. You know, how good was the start? The start was awesome. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get there, but just by watching the way we were playing, I was like, gee, we're on here. You know, Max looked real determined to, you know, bust the game open. And, you know, we started strong kicks, what, six of the first seven. And then the, you know, I mean, we started going back into those old habits, um, much like, you know, the Freo game. I mean, not getting much bang for buck going forward. And, you know, as I said, oh, as we've said, you know, going back into 2019, 2020, old habits, high inside 50s, low conversion rate, you know, we're hoping that this gets fixed and that probably starts with you know a bit of oh, obviously mid forward connection but that's Ben Brown coming back into his uh, best form which we'll touch on a little bit later I'm sure yeah yeah definitely oh we'll seeing we're uh, getting into the game let's let's quickly touch back on what was round twelve and we're going to look at the things that we well let's look at the positive side of things first in our next segment credit to the boys back into the game so um, it's real credit to the boys um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and. and really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the boys 
All right, Simo, well, I don't think we can go past our skip as being the pure highlight from round 12. Put it in an absolute Herculean performance. Did everything he could to try and drag our team over the line and did it all over the ground as well too. So going up against Peter Laddams, who on his own really, because Hickey's not playing at the moment with injured and Hickey's a big boy as it is and probably would have put up a pretty good contest physically against Maxi. But yeah, to see Max sort of drag Laddams all around the ground, but to finish with 28 touches, 23 contested possessions for the big man, six contested marks, which... On a night and probably a couple of weeks where we've been really down on our marks as well around the ground, our contested marks, Tom McDonald, I think a huge reason of that. He's been one of those ones that's had massive contested mark, or I'd say massive numbers compared to our other big forwards. You know, looking at your Ben Browns and your Wiedemans who's come in. Mitch Brown came in on, on the weekend. Nobody's really taking big contested marks and we've actually been exposed a little bit down back by uh, Ruckman and Fords as well, especially against Freo with the... Uh, Lob and Tabin are taking big contested grabs as well too. So the six contested marks, he had his five clearances, six inside, six inside 50s, 11 hitouts to advantage, which was a little bit slow to start, but then really sort of worked into the game. 10 score involvements and three goals won. Like, is there anything else this man can, can't do? Like, he, he's probably casting doubts a little bit in the season. Oh, is he still the best ruckman in the league? And then he pulls out something like that. Uh, there was a muscle flex by Gorney, mate. I tell you what, that snap that was involved with the Cozzy, keep it in, tap it on. Then there was, I think, another handball to Brown, and then handball. Oh, yeah, handball to him amazing snap. Yeah, Petrarca oh. to Brown, and then Brown handball. Oh, right. If you got your ruckman, that's you know almost you know was he six ten? You know about the one the two ten two ten centimeter. Like to be able to do that, it's pretty special. So yeah, no, he was he was awesome. Um, I mean, it would have been nice if a few more blokes jumped on his back. He was, yeah, I think fine he did. Um, but yeah, it would, it would have been more. It would have been great to see more players really, you know, step up to the occasion and you know really start to 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 get the ascendancy back our way. And I think just really change a game. I think Gorn did that at different spades. You know, kicked the three goals. But you know, where's that Petrarca that we've been lacking? I mean, yes, I mean this, this should be more positive. But <laughs> let's let's give Maxi a chop out, especially yeah. this weekend. Um, yeah, it's going to be. Well, you look at Collingwood, mate. They've got uh, not much to uh, to go up against Gorney, so it could be a replica. Well, we hope for a replica. Of his um, amazing game. Yeah, I think when he kicked that first goal of the last quarter and put us 13 points up in front, I thought that was it. I mm. thought like the days had, had really wrestled momentum Risen. back. Third quarter, sort of got back on top of things and without scoring, I think we kicked one goal five, so we weren't able to get reward for inside 50s, but we were able to get back on top of the contest and really sort of own the ball there. And Gorney kicking that first first goal within the first couple of minutes and I thought, yeah, you know what, this is this looks like us. It was it was a very us type of game in terms of probably the way that we played, fast start, kind of yeah, second quarter backed off a little bit or Sydney really sort of came and, and brought the pressure and we turned the ball over. But then we were able to sort of get back onto it and know, okay, we weren't able to get that reward on the scoreboard. Yes, you can look back at that and that that could be the difference in those sort of things. But in other games that we played this season and probably last year, like it's been enough. And you could be confident to back us in, like, yeah, thirteen points. We can, we can rest this. We can, we can just, you know, look after the ball, make sure that, yeah, you still need to score. But, uh, yeah, he was just amazing. And he's probably, he's a, seems to be our most dangerous forward at the moment in terms of causing yep. headaches for opposition because mm. they're not they're planning for Ben Brown and they can put their best defender on Ben Brown, 
you know, whether you've got T-Mac or Weeds, whoever's down there being that second big forward down there, you know, again, you're drawing another big defender. And then you've got Fritch, who, again, has been a real highlight over the last month of footy, kicking 12 goals and doing his thing, but he's a different type of forward. But Max has a real issue, I think, for opposition defenders, for them to defend him. Because they either panic and they'll draw a free kick, like what happened, or you know, or he can take him. He can take a grab, and his mitts are as good as ever. Like he might have had a couple of weeks where we thought he couldn't have, couldn't couldn't have held one, but yeah, like his mitts are just bloody velcro at the moment. And I think he played. I don't know what the split would have been. 40, 60, 40, like seventy thirty, like it was a fair. He fair was split put on a forward. clinic in the middle, um, all around the ground as well. But if you want to be really technical, super coach wise, dropped to two hundred or one ninety eight to be exact. So I mean, I mean, obviously you can see his damage there. Moving on from Gorney, mate, because I think we're, you know, we're singing his praise, which is fair enough. But it's good to have Salo back. I think you know he's been able to flow back in. I mean, yes, there was, I mean, there was one moment I can really think of, you know, the turnover which led to a goal. Um, but to have twenty touches on return, it was. Yeah, good to see him back into into the side, and you know, hopefully, it's just a nice little stepping block for him moving forward. Yeah, and straight in, no no VFL. Goody was obviously prepared to to throw him straight in, and and he'd done apparently a fair bit of work to get himself right and get his body right and get himself match fit. So, look, he's only going to build upon that, and such a vital cog in our team and everything that we do in our system down back and. To play 10 games, really, well, nine games without him, 11, sorry, 11 games without him, it's, yeah, we've managed to sort of cover his hole a little bit with Brayshaw, but no, good good to have him back in the side, and yeah, did some good things, and good to see that chemistry back there. Unfortunately, Rivers was the unlucky one getting dropped last week, so be interesting to see what happens with his position and whether he comes back in the side. Yeah, definitely. I think also, I mean, touching on, you know, you did revert back to fast starts and everything, and... You know, I mean, I hate to be a negative here, but you know, we've both we've usually when we do start well, we do carry on or you know coast for that game. But the difference is, I mean, you more so look at our third quarter against Frio, second quarter against Sydney. We've had these huge lapses where we've had terrible quarters that have, you know, essentially cost us a really strong position in the game. But um, let's let's talk about that fast start. I mean, you know, we kicked a goal nice and early, Jimmy Jordan on the run and. Um, just a nice little heroic play, as we as we said before about the snap. Um, nice team goal. Um, so yeah, really set the tone early, and yeah, I thought we we're going to be, you know, going to be. We looked on, to be honest, and yeah. then you know to, to only see what five more goals for the game, four or five more goals as a team after that. It was yeah, disappointing. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some clear differences in the way that that Melbourne moved the ball in that first quarter and we were able to get some speed and giving that the ball to them and finding them in a good position in order to give them the best opportunity to score. So, you know, you, you talked about that Jimmy Jordan goal and I think our way to be able to kick to space and sort of let our forwards really run into the ball and, and create scoring opportunities from that as well too, whereas the rest of the game kind of relied on that contested mark and really putting the ball on our forwards' heads. So I think moving the ball with speed, which seemed to slow down a little bit as the game wore on, Jimmy Jordan, I think, was a real standout as well too. I think he's had an underrated month of footy. We're talking about the last sort of few few games. He's putting together a solid season and, and great to see him get some consistency and find a bit of the footy and, you know, hit the scoreboard as well too, which is nice. But he's, yeah, he's making that wing position his own. He definitely is. And I think, you know, obviously missing out as a sub 
um, in the grand finals, definitely pushing him um, to become a stronger player and you know hold his own, and which he has. He's probably averaging around the 20, 20 touches a game. So, yeah, I mean, great kudos to him to really stick it at it. And I suppose you know he's got a real strong, strong reason to um, to really put his best foot forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely owning that position, which is great. A uh, couple of other players you mentioned, Viney, I thought played a fantastic game. Our, probably our best midfielder, I think most consistent midfielder throughout the game. Clary was tagged by Robottom. Petrarca was a little bit off and on at times, but Viney, I think for three quarters, uh, really sort of led with the foot first and, and was able to get the ball rolling from the very first bounce, which is great, that intensity in his tackling. And, and yeah, his, his kick to... Luke Jackson, that first quarter, left foot, finding him, running him into space. Yeah, we talked about his field kicking last week, about how it's been impressive. It's, yeah, continued to go on from there. Robottom did move to him to the last quarter. I think, obviously, that Sydney saw him as the most damaging midfielder, probably, to that point. And credit to him, it kind of it really kind of stopped his influence on the game in that last quarter as well, too. But, no, great to see Jack. Uh, last player we want to quickly touch on was Cozzy. I still think that... Again, it was certainly early in the game, but he just had some fantastic moments and team plays. He brought up that tap back in that led to that maxi snap. But just some of his other efforts around the ground was was really, really impressive. And we're still watching him evolve into a player that can impact it not only from the scoreboard, but with those little one percenters and those little chase efforts and defensive efforts as well. All right, Simo, well, we'll cover the things that we did like about the game now to cover the things that need to be improved in our next segment. Pretty pissed off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. All right, Zimmer. Well, there's been a lot of outcry. People think the wheels are falling off. There's been a bit of negativity floating around, but I think that the. The issues that we've had the last couple of weeks are pretty clear, so I think that that's easy to address within the club, aside from all the shit that's gone down this week. From a game-style point of view, it's been pretty clear that our inside 50s and our full connection has been, yeah, pretty pretty poor, and yeah, it's we might be playing well for a quarter, but it's not being uh, sustainable throughout the entire game, and, and yeah, we're not able to kick a winning score of it. It's been a, a bit of a concern. Hmm. It'd be interesting to look at when we actually hit the, the scoreboard to score 100 the last time. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at Ben Brown, I mean, we'll touch on him. Actually, we'll touch on him now, but no goals in three weeks, so he's not having an influence. It's, you know, Bailey Bailey Fritch with limited, you know, great service. He's still, you know, he's still able to hit the scoreboard, but, you know, obviously he's a different kind of build, obviously, to Ben Brown. But, yeah, there's issues there, and that's, as I said before, it's creeping Coming back from 2019, 2020, it just haunts me. I remember it might have been a gaming at Geelong and Geelong where we had maybe 15, 20 more inside 50s and we lost by 10 goals. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, we're hoping we're not going to see this again because this is old habits creeping in and, you know, they say about the week we've had, you know, these little nitpick things and, you know, cult, they say with culture problems as well, you know, they're... Yeah, they're trying to. I don't know they're trying to sneak their way back into our thing, but mm, it's uh, yeah, it's it's hopefully hopefully as you said, like it's something that we can easily train and you know get out because, I mean, 
if you want to really touch back, you know, look at 2018, that real slingshot footy, we still play that kind of brand. You know, we really attack from the halfback and then, you know, really surge the ball forward. So, yeah, and then just, just needs the ball in the right hands, I think. Well, Petrarca's one of our better users, but at times, you know, he just blazes away. Clary's another one. You know, we're not getting huge value for the kicks inside 50s. Like, the fact that Viney's been better than Clary in track is, you know, speaking volumes of what Viney's doing, but then it's like, what are these boys doing? They're just, you know, hacking it forward. Can we get an extra handball to, you know, hit that de- have that decent kick? Like, are we getting much pres- presentation up the footy? We'll, you know, obviously they'll be able to see the vision and everything, but... You know, there's a few different different factors that can really change to uh, to make this right. I know Ben Brown's a big hit up player, and you know how often do you see him get hit up? He's just kicking on his head. Well, that's that's it, and I think that was the clear contrast between the first quarter and the rest of the game was that we were we found our forwards in space. We were kicking to an advantage. I mean, Mitch Brown's kick to Bailey Fritch in that first quarter was incredible. Like that mm. is, and and that was from a slower stoppage. Like. Our ball movement and the speed that we're moving the ball inside 50 has really slowed down, slowed down, and that's certainly impacting the forwards either ability to be able to get on their bike and actually move, or the 50, you know, the attacking 50 is too, too. Um... Oh no, some of our forwards just don't seem like they're working hard enough in terms of to find space, and we did after quarter time. We ended up any sort of inside 50s that we were getting a look at. We were just putting it on our forward's head and weren't getting any reward out of it. Paddy McCartan, Tom McCartan had a bit of a field day with intercepts. We turned the ball over a lot there and our probably the players that we looked to the most to get the ball inside 50 and you know, thinking about Charlie Spargo, Alex Neil Bullen, Christian Petrarca had a nice hit up at Langdon, I think, to kick what our second goal again in that first quarter then. But once the ball slowed down, it's yeah, it was we found it really hard to score and to find find uh, any sort of cohesion between forward to centre and, and our forward line. So Tom McDonald, I think, again, is, is a big missing man? piece for that. Mm. And and we seem to try and, I don't know, are they trying to find that contested mark? But Ben Brown's not a contested mark player. Like, he's not. No. And you got three or four bodies all crashing into each other. And our small forwards, unfortunately, Sydney were just able to mop up pretty easily. You know, you had Rampy and Mills down back. Well, he spent a bit of time in the middle, but also cleaning up down the back as well too. And yeah, Sydney were just able to get the ball and, and be able to move and score from that. So that's certainly something that I know that is easily identifiable by the club. And I know that they need to go back and work on that. Mitch Brown, obviously being a bit, bit of a story with T-Mac being the laid out, which... Now there's a bit of a clarification on why that with his with Tom's injury, but Goody spoke after the game. Mitch Brown ahead of Wiedemann in the rotation, and looks like that he'll probably get another run around. I'd say for Queen's birthday, but interesting to say, you know, kept it simple. Said he's playing better footy. Like it's Mitch Brown's been pretty serviceable. He's probably only played like a handful of games for the club, but has has been a handy player. Didn't do a whole lot on Saturday night, but, you know, give him, you've got to give him a look in, I think. Yeah, he's a perfect player that can be that link-up player. Uh, you can, you know, you probably get your 10 touches. I think he had eight on the weekend. But, yeah, if he's been able to be that link player, you know, that, that half-forward, that does lead up. And, you know, obviously he's quite tall too. He's, I think he's, you know, mid-190s or low-ish in 190s. So he, you know, he's not tall. He's not, sorry, small, so... Yeah, you know, we should be able to get some value, but yeah, he's been killing it too. So yeah, by all means, like give him a crack. I mean, I know 
like he's been knocking at the door all year. He's had a couple bags of six, I think. So crafty veteran as well. So been yeah. around, been around for a long time, and yeah, just knows how to use his body well. And yeah, he's probably only played 60, 70 games across you know probably eight, nine seasons of AFL footy. Three so clubs, he's, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, gone across a couple, couple different clubs, and you know he's actually probably a really big steal for us considering you know he'd be on pretty basement price. But I actually remember hearing an art or seeing an article saying you know why did Essendon let him walk when you know he'd be perfect for him at the moment and yeah oh well thank you but um (laughs) (laughs) it'd be nice to see mitch brown get some uh some cohesion with our midfielders and you know start hitting up more players like he did fritch we touched on it earlier the whole may scandal and it's bleeding over now into queen's birthday but the d's have shown that he's probably yeah yeah mvp in terms of most valuable player in terms of which really unlocks our whole system i think The impact that Sam Reid, and yes, Sam Reid, probably played the game of his life on the weekend, kicking three goals to the half, and Logan McDonald, who's a really exciting young He's prospect. He's going to be done. Yeah, but the impact that they had was, again, that difference, that especially that second quarter as well too. Yeah, Reid was able to really sort of dominate in the air, and, and Tomlinson just unfortunately didn't couldn't get around the mark with him, and Lever wasn't able to get out there and spoil, and, and Logan McDonald again looked for a player, what, second, third-year player? This year, yeah, very, very exciting. And just for the second week in a row, just made to look small down back. And yeah. I think we know that we know how important that May is to be able to kill that ball, to provide that leadership down back. And unfortunately, Jakey Lever, even though he played okay on the weekend, they, they just unlock each other's potential. And mm. you can see that Jake Lever is not the same player without Stephen May, unfortunately. And Tomlinson, as good as it is to have the depth, isn't Stephen May. And I think that was... Again, uh, one of those big things that we realised, yeah, his impact is just instrumental for, for our club and it's going to be disappointing that we're going to have to try and get by another week without him. Yeah, two weeks in a row getting belted in the air, mate. It's, you know, Rory Love and we'll tab her for a bit, but, yeah, to see it again, it poses a bit of a, you know, a bit of a concern. I feel like, you know, this would be really handy to have, you know, Joel Smith fit as well. Or He's Tamer, you know, yeah. another one of our depth players, which... Obviously, he's out for a you know, decent chunk. So, you know, I mean, Tomlinson's been killing it, the twos. Like, completely fair enough that he's come in. Um, you know, the problem with Tomo is, you know, he's looking for that real big, jo- like, jostle for position as opposed to your aerial sort of player. So, I suppose that's where Lever will come in. Um, you know, I mean, Petty as well. But Petty, Petty um, on another note, you know, he'd, he'd look sore. He yeah. Look, you know, I mean, he, had, he looked like a mummy with his knee and shoulder <laughs> and everything. He was, he was yeah. worse off coming out than he was. I think, he's, I think he's hanging out for the bye, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, well, if you look at Collingwood, I mean, looking ahead, I know we're skipping ahead, you know, with my segment later on, but, you know, they don't really have a tall form. I mean, they've got Mason Cox, but, you know, he wears glasses. So, um, who, who knows what's going to go <laughs> so on So do there. you, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I don't wear them when I play footy, do I? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, a few things to be, yeah, pissed off. But as you said before, I think, yeah, it can be rectified. And, you know, we hope to see it in full flight on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And the last thing before we get rid of the negative stuff, but... Scores off turn- turnover for D's was a bit uncharacteristic and it looks like that the last couple of weeks that teams have sort of really beaten us at our own game a little bit and bringing that forward pressure and you know, Melbourne average about 33 or 34 points uh, to give up on turnovers and we gave up 50 
on the weekend and it was about 27 at the midway point or towards the end of the second quarter so it was already almost around about our average before half time and that just kind of yeah really kind of lays lays out where where it went wrong and how Sydney were able to score so you look at the intercept possessions like we talked about Paddy McCartan before with 10 Errol Goulden uh, had seven and Rampy and Warner had six each. They just really ramped up their pressure and their pressure rating was pretty substantial for the majority of that game and they were able to pressure our, our forwards and we were, yeah, coughed up the ball and, and being able to to really yeah, give away that amount of that amount of scores is well, it's more than the difference. It's fifty points. Like mm. that's that's huge. So their tackling pressure was massive. I mean, they the, the <laughs> differential you, can, between that. Can you please read out what you've written about Sam Reid? <laughs> well, I've just said Swans had 75 tackles. So, they, what were they, plus 20-odd uh, against us on Saturday night. You had eight players with five or more and Sam fucking Reid with 10 tackles. But 10 tackles for a big forward. I mean, credit to him. Like, as I said, game of his life. Well done. Four contested marks and three goals. But... They only averaged the 58 tackles for the year as well, too. So, again, they really lifted. They probably smelt blood a little bit about, you know, starting to fumble. Fox Footy highlighted a few of our kind of uncharacteristic fumbles, trying to get the ball out of the contest. Weren't very clean at trying to exit the ball out of stoppage. And, yeah, Swans were able to pounce on that and really kind of take that to advantage and get scores out of it. So that was something that was a bit disappointing to see as well. But, again, hopefully they can kind of just sharpen that up and, and uh, yeah, once I review that and, and find a couple of strategies of how to improve. Right, mate, it is that time, and it is the Hopen Delightful Display of the Year Award. Now, this award, you know, a little bit tedious at times, this one. It's, uh, in my book, I feel like it's hard to, you know, really label your best players, but, you know, looking at the underrated performances, which, you know, we see in our eyes, um, that really put a big stamp on the game. So, First one for me goes for Jimmy Jordan, uh, 24 disposals, um, another good game as we've labelled on him before, having a great season and yeah, really driving force behind being the sub in last year's granny. Nice one. Uh, yeah, fan hard to find votes for Jimmy Jordan unfortunately this week. My first vote goes to Bailey Fritch. I think just his consistent ability to be able to hit the scoreboard, especially in a couple of weeks where we haven't kicked big scores uh his three goals and 12 goals over the last month of footy has been yeah a pretty important contribution if you look back at the results that's a great one mate that's a great find um you'll like this one uh, my two votes goes to maxi gorn um he obviously got a lot of rated or a lot of people rated his performances but obviously i mean you can't not give him votes for that type of game yeah Yep, no, I agree with you, considering that five seconds ago he said, is it bad to not give Maxi any votes? So I was probably a little bit surprised at that. My two votes goes to Jack Viney, I think. Yeah, did everything that he could to get that midfield going and, yeah, for three quarters, had a pretty big stamp on that and was able to do, yeah, absolutely everything that he could and left everything out there. You can absolutely be proud of his efforts and hold his head high. Here's one for you. Is this Jack Viney's best season so far? Not sure. <laughs> Not sure. Don't see, know. See if the body holds up. Yeah. Yeah. Consistent. 
there you go. Well, Jack Viney's got my three votes, mate, which you probably would have thought. But, yeah, the doppelganger, as some people may <laughs> say. <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, I mean, just, yeah, tried to do what he could and, you know, three solid a quarter efforts. And then, obviously, you know, here's the engine room and they started locking him down to, yeah, really nullify his impact. Yeah, and probably no surprise, my three votes goes to Maxi. I just, again, continues to amaze us as as fans and yeah to pull out a game like that of you know one for the ages and being able to impact the game so greatly in all aspects of it all around of it you know defensively in the ruck and and certainly up forward as well too i think is just yeah super super impressive and couldn't be prouder to have a skipper like him lead the club and we just have to be grateful that we get to sit back and watch one of the greats to ever play the game and for this club well you know we're watching him in his prime well, Simo, we are the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. And now it's time to hear their thoughts on the game in our next segment, Fugazi. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. Can you do your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fugazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, talking points from our 12-point loss against the Sydney Swans Saturday night. First one comes in from Scott McFish, who says, please don't blame the umpires. Yeah, bit of a talking point there. And <laughs> uh, Unfortunately, it was a couple of key decisions that hurt us late. Now, not saying that was a reason for the loss, but yeah, one of those things that it did have an influence on the game towards the end with a couple of free kicks resulting last, in last two goals. goals, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So not, not, not amazing. Yeah. Uh, Continues on with no goals from turnover when we average 55 points per game Huge. from that avenue. So just kind of echoes what we were chatting about before as well too about yeah flipping it on its head about what we gave up. Team is not working hard enough without the ball. Compare the numbers to last year and they're way down. Can't beat challenges with those numbers, let alone defend a premiership. So yeah, some pretty strong comments there from Scott, but I think the turnover thing about our full pressure creating opportunities for us to score, I think we ended up scoring zero goals five from it. So probably a lot of that would have came in that third quarter where we were able to get a bit of ascendancy and, and get on top of the momentum and, and really kind of put that pressure back on Sydney, but we weren't able to get the reward on the scoreboard. Yeah, 100%. I think it's obviously the biggest reason as to why we are able to... Um you know, obviously, you know, shrink teams down and really, really restrict them to score is because, you know, we'll put that much frontal pressure on that your levers, your maids can just mop up Salem as well, all those ground balls. That's probably why we're seeing not as strong levers as this year's last year because the forward pressure is just not there. Um, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, once we get back to, then obviously you're going to be seeing a pretty strong D's outfit. And you can probably see that would leave his best games. Um, the next one comes in from Heath, Heath Tudor. He's kind of sent a bit of an essay here. <laughs> <laughs> um, look at the kick to handball ratio between the two teams. Uh, far too much overused. Looking for the perfect stoppage contest exit as well. And I think, yeah, he's hit the nail on the head with the first part about that. I think just, you know, just that yardage game. I mean, yes, it's probably a little bit dewy. That's probably the biggest, you know, assumption. But. I mean, you look at the inside 50s, I mean, we've got, it was pretty similar, but we had more of the footy, so obviously we're looking, you know, looking for the perfect kick, as said. Um, 
just to get the damn ball forward with some space, uh, with some pace. This is no evident that uh, the forward 50 entry debacle. We are so slow moving it into the 50, which we touched on before. Contrast to this Frio Sydney, uh, that by the time we have kicked it in, the defence was has flooded. Our main scores were from a quick entry and letting players run in, uh, onto the ball and getting one-on-one contests. Perfect exemplifies the way we play, going that quick footy slingshot. Um, Oliver is one of the few who looks to play on as quickly as possible from a mark forward of centre, and to no surprise, scoring becomes much easier. Yeah, you see it every time Clary takes it, he gets it, explodes, as opposed to, you know, probably in times gone by, he does, you know, you know, pretty stationary, but, yeah, I don't know why we're not, you know, putting a foot to the pedal. It's, you know, it's interesting. I feel, I feel these little things are starting to become more relevant when you start to lose. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we get back on top of it. He continues to say, the overriding theme I've noticed through is, we're trying to be too perfect. What happened to embracing imperfection and just getting the ball moving forward? Yeah, it's that chaos footy. Um, obviously, probably more so in the wet. Obviously, we're trying to you know to retain the footy and keep it off the other teams. So, yeah, it's another thing for us to work on and you know really get those skills firing again and get Choco Williams uh, ripping through the boys. <laughs> yeah, no doubt he would, I'm sure. Uh, next one comes in from Waits. He says... Uh, it wasn't actually a gut-wrenching loss. So he said, spare me. We are 10-2. and two. Swans are fantastic and taught us a reminder on how to bring the heat. That tackle count, that's AFL footy. D's need a road trip. So, yeah, so a bit of a reality check there from Waitsian. Good to see that he's praising some positivity. I was probably, yeah, a little bit disappointed Sunday morning posting, posting that. I mean, it was a bit gut-wrenching on Saturday night only because it was that one that slipped away, you know, having a bit of a decent lead in that last quarter and watching it sort of flitter away is not something that we're used to saying over the last two seasons of footy. So I guess from that sense, so yeah, nice little bit of a positivity there from Waitsy and, and yeah, it was a great example of how a good team can win and, and Sydney have proven that they're going to be a contender and, and going to be really pushing for some final success this year. 100%. The next one really exemplifies our talk about Maxi. So it comes in from Robin Beasley. As much as I love Maxi and his full-on effort and leadership, I'm wondering if playing him at full forward is destabilizing the forward line. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, we talked about before, he was probably our most dangerous forward, you know, with obviously Fritch with limited opportunity, but for him to go down and kick three... It poses a question, like, I mean, you, you've got to see the stat between, you know, when Jackson's in there compared to Gorn. I thought Gorn was incredible when he went in the middle and then obviously incredible when he went forward. So it's one of those things where, you know, it was Jackson getting belted? Like, I mean, I couldn't really, I didn't really see him get smashed, but just more so just, that's a hard one because, I mean, does it take Ben Brown's, you know, game away from him? If if anything, if he's sitting in the goal square, I mean that should be in that, that should enable Ben Brown to have a lesser defender on him. I'd have thought. Yeah, I, destabilizing is probably not the word I would use. I think the times that you find Max and Ben Brown going for the same ball does seem puzzling at times. Like they do seem to spoil each other when they're going up for the same contest. Mm. It's such a weapon to have your ruckman being able to go forward and be as damaging as what Maxi is. I don't think it's it's not we're not relying on it at this stage. We know that yeah he can go up forward and, and get us a couple of goals pretty easily, and it is emerging in these last few weeks where we have struggled to score. That Maxi has been the difference. Him and Bailey Fritch have really provided that option where 
They've been able to sort of make an impact up forward, whereas our other forwards, unfortunately, have not been firing. So it's you don't want it to be the sole fix to the problem. You don't want to stick Maxi in full forward and have him have to play out four quarters down there. That's not the game plan and his, his impact on the rest of the ground and is way too important for that. I know Joey Montagna came out and sort of said, you know, we'd like to see Maxi spend even more time forward and let sort of Luke Jackson come, Luke Jackson flourish and spend a fair bit more time in the ruck and sort of maybe hand the reins over but I don't think we're ready for that yet it's a nice I won't say backup because it's part of our plan now but it's certainly a nice advantage to have but you don't want to rely on it uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit we understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing but we also want to just take it you know one week at a time and, and coaches say that a lot and, and people and it's just the reality you can't look too far ahead Mate, it's it's one week at a time. It's it's time. It is time. It's time. <laughs> and what better way to introduce such a great cause that we play for on this day, and that is the MND match, which, mate, Neil Danaher is an inspiration to all, and probably it's probably my equal favourite game of the season. Obviously, you've got the Anzac Day Eve game, but you know to see so many people pour in money to help you know, raise money to really, to, to beat the beast, which is, you know, their slogan. And, you know, it's it's one of those days where you really cherish to be a Melbourne supporter and be a Neil Danaher supporter as well, because, I mean, the things and the things, it'll just, just, just the drive he has to, to, you know, continuously to, you know, to help people in a similar situation and to, you know, I just cherish, I just cherish what he does. A privilege for the club to be involved, but I guess from a wider AFL community to think that, that the the AFL can have this sort of impact on on a cause and really be yeah a vehicle for such a huge outpouring of support from the fans and from the media and from yeah like a lot of I suppose celebrity personalities wise but it just it's probably brought it to the forefront it was probably one of those things that that didn't get that much recognition or it might not be you know talking in public circles here or people that weren't instantly impacted Mm -hmm. but to think now where we stand after now this is number eight and to think that you know neil danahoo is such a well-respected public figure in the afl has now become the you know the face of this and you know really his amount of work that he's done for this cause is is so incredibly inspiring and one of those people that you just think is as you think you think you've got problems, and then you just sort of remember that Mate. there's other people that have got so much worse shit going on, and the fact that he's being able to keep doing this and uh, provide opportunities for other people and other families that have been impacted by this, and to sort of give a bit of a bit of a glimmer of hope, something to uh, something to look forward to. Yeah, well, the the fact that was only given twelve months to live to live out, you know, into the eighth year of this game, it's. Yeah, it's ex- exceptional. And, like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the ad where, you know, Gordy and a few other, you know, media people talk um, for Neil Danaher. So, Neil Danaher's now lost his speech. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the ad really is is powerful. It's, um, yeah, it's a way to show, you know, that we can work together to, you know, to beat it and to to be able to push on and to play on, which is, again, another one of their slogans. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think I'm really looking forward to the uh, the walk to the G, obviously, a couple of years. Um, not being able to do it, I think it's, you know, again, one of those things where, you know, us as Melbourne supporters, I think we can really rally behind it, or I suppose anyone that, you know, is, you know, supporting the cause as well. But to, to see a, 
uh, a sea of blue beanies, but also a lot of red and blue as well will be, you know, something I'm really looking forward to. And, um, yeah, hopefully, our, you know, that drive actually kicks in because I think, well, Collingwood has got a pretty strong record against us. I think the last six times um, we've only won once. So, you know, being able to stand up in this game, which we haven't been great in the past, I think we're we're absolutely due to knock off these flogs. And <laughs> given the Collie Wobbles, because, oh, look, I tell you what, I'm about to rip shreds off Collingwood because I hate them. Yeah. Now, you got teams that you hate. I mean, I hate Hawthorne, but, I mean, look, I had a bit of respect for Collingwood in 2018, but you look at them now, there's one especially player, which I'm going to touch on soon, that um the reason why I do hate them, so... Launching into the game, mate, it's uh, obviously going to be a huge game. Um, you know, it could be a wet one. Obviously, we've had a lot of rain. Um, Sorry, I'm just in- interrupted by your dog, Louie, here. Yeah, he's giving Lu- a bit of a kiss. Yeah, and- Louie's saying good day. He's, yeah. uh, he's actually wearing, um, well, his coat's uh, black and white, which is a bit disappointing, isn't it, Louie? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, not the yellow jacket that he's got, got the, on. Well, the yellow jacket, kind of. <laughs> it flows in with the up-white tigs, mate. So yeah. He, he's a mascot. <laughs> Before we do get on top of that, like let's just get to the game. Like if if you can, you know, push to get there, make the effort. Like it's, you know, a great cause. It's a great day. I mean, yes. I mean, if the rain's there, who cares? I mean, like people are going to be sliding down into icy baths. So, what do we need to do? What do we need? What to do we need to do? Game, Look, mate. Well, obviously, I mean, we saw what we've seen what Collingwood did against Freo in the wet, and obviously they played the conditions quite well. So, look again. It's probably just a territory game, to be honest. It's going to be. You know, one and loss across a few different key areas, but I think again, it's that midfield ascendancy. It's you know what we do with the footy in the contest, probably where it starts. Because, I mean, you look at our game against the Swans. Did we overpossess the footy? You know, do we need to really start playing that surge footy? So, yeah, I think yeah, that contested bat- uh, footy battle and the territory battle are going to be the biggest two things. You know, the personnel that we could get back, I think it'd be good to see Rivers come back. We'll, we'll touch touch on changes very soon, but. Yeah, just a bunch of blokes that, obviously, with the week we've had, you know, blokes that just really want to show up and say, look, this is Melbourne. This is what we are. And, look, let's just... This is why I'm calling off the floor, mate. It's yeah, it's it's one thing that I really want to see. And there's going to be some big matchups going on as well. I think their midfield's quite strong and you know, got some real solid winners. But I think with the conditions, I think they'll play in our hands in terms of the intercept game of Darcy Moore and Jeremy Howe. Obviously... Would love to still have Howie playing for the D's, but um, yeah, these two they drop off, and you know if if our entries aren't on song, these guys are going to mop up. Yeah, with that surge forty, really being able to exit the stoppage at the front and, and sort of create a run on, and yeah, don't try to be perfect. If it's going to be wet weather, it's going to be just getting the ball forward however we can, and hopefully that our forwards can yeah really create those opportunities, and we should hopefully see a bit of sharpening up and on a wet day like that, you got to look low and, and, you know, look for low entries and find players that are running into space and hopefully they can be able to get on top of that as well. So, yeah, it's going to be, going to be a blockbuster, mate. It's, you know, they're on a high. They've won three in a row. We've lost two in a row. It's, you know, obviously we've got the buy next week. So do they actually. So both of us want to be putting a pretty solid performance in and, Changes, mate. I think I honestly think Rivets comes back in, played a very good game in the VFL, and I think Jaden Hunt's positions severely, severely in trouble. Had three handballs, provided not much. Just a few little things I saw from him on the weekend. I mean, that fly almost over the top of Heaney. Just yeah, I don't know. I think he needs a spell on the twos. I think I think he's been pretty solid as a small defender this year, but I think 
you know, if you're not able to impact the game offensively, you know, I mean, what value do you really have? Well, I think, yeah, but you've pointed out numerous times this year as well, too. Like, he's played this... There's not too often that he's played on a small forward that's really got off the chain. And, yeah, you might look at his disposals and stuff, but for Papley only really to have that impact sort of late in the game, and yes, okay, but the free kick wasn't by him anyway. I, I don't know. I, can you see Rivers having that same effect as a lockdown defender, like shutting down the team's best small forward? Because I think Rivers is more... That you know that pace and that drive of half back and Hunt yes can have some speed and when he breaks open it looks great we know we know what he's used to when he's been played all over the ground but I don't know I think could it be time to bring back a pretty pretty much grand final side I mean you got Hibbard played yeah, the last two games in twos as well he could be that real lockdown for um Ginnivan potentially and know. some bit more experience down back as you mentioned as well without May as well like yeah. to have somebody who's got a wealth of experience behind him and yeah. Not you to mention Premiership. So you considering? I mean, I mean, Mitch Brown. Does he still get a game? I mean, you're thinking yes. I think is, so. Yeah, I think he stays in. Is a youngster uh, Van Roonen sniffing around for a cheeky game? Is is Big Mad Jack floating around as well? No, <laughs> Which would know. be pretty, it would yeah. be fair tale, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I'd be happy to see him run around for sure. Yeah, uh, look. To be honest, I reckon probably Hibbard or Rivers come in for Hunt is your probably biggest move. I tell you what, Bedford was stiff, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I feel yeah, like you unlucky. know. I mean, obviously with with um, the ins coming in, I mean someone had to come out. Unfortunately, it was him, and you know he didn't really do too much wrong against Freo, especially in the second quarter. But I don't know, lots of different scenarios. But I don't know. Maybe I th- maybe the one. What would you want to? What would you want to see? What would you want to see in the side? I'd probably leave it. I think given the amount of changes we had last week to again shake up, and, you know, you had five players coming in, a couple out due, due to injury and. And then yeah, three dropped last week. I don't think you want to be again chopping and changing side. It's it's that's a big that's a big chunk of your side that's changing over. So I think you got to give them another week to try and change. All right, Simo. Well, that does it for another week, mate. First for the podcast, first live podcast you and me have done out in uh, Kilsoff. Over here, you finished your mouthful of food, so we can we can wrap it up now, which is good. How many times does that happen? <laughs> finishing your mouth of food. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd say this is probably the first. Oh, as in tonight? Mm. How many times? I think after recording each segment, <laughs> I think yeah, I think you yeah you wait till about to we're, press we're record. We're a hungry boy, mate. We're a hungry boy. <laughs> Don't want about eight chips in your mouth at a time. So yeah, oh, come no, on, mate. It's, <laughs> gives us a spell. No, nah, no, it's been been good fun. Been good fun and yeah, big week, long weekend for uh, for a lot of people. But most importantly, Queen's birthday, Monday afternoon, as you said. Hopefully, all the fans and members can get out there and show their support for not only the D's but also for MND and and get out there and watch the big freeze, mate. It's uh yeah, been an interesting week, but I can see the D's coming out and and responding and getting through to the bye, and it'll be nice to just yeah have a bit of time to reset as well too and get ready for. What's really the business end of the season now? It's sort of, you know, the top eight's looking r- not set, but the team's in there probably, uh, yeah, as good as, yeah, as 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 good as temporarily in there. You, like the order might change a little bit, but besides that, it's the competition's getting pretty tight up the top as well too. So, well, big thanks to our sponsors in Hop and Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. Thanks to all of our listeners. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and review our podcast. You can find it on all your favorite podcast platforms. Simo, thanks again. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for hosting. It's been great. You've been a good host. Pleasure. Provided beers and some uh, some snacks. It's been good. And 
Louis being here, hanging out, which is great. And yeah, no, looking forward to uh, to the next one. So no, it's been been good times, good times. But most importantly, go the D's. Go the D's.